0: You're listening to Lit After Dark, the podcast where three English teachers nerd out while they analyze Netflix's Dark. This week, we're looking at Season 1, Episode 2, Lies. Ulrich shows desperation in his search for Mikkel, and the whole family deals with the loss. Jonas continues to process his father's suicide and finds an elaborate, partially hand-drawn map of the Winden Caves. Mikkel reappears from the caves, but has arrived in 1986, meeting young versions of his mother and father. All this plus our analytical takes on Lit After Dark.
1: I just hate, I guess this is a very Tommy moment of me. I hate that you guys know, and I do not.
0: (laughs) It is the worst feeling you can feel. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I feel like episode two was darker than episode one, if we can just start there. Um, it felt obviously with Mikkel missing, Mikkel, however you want to say that. Um, it Mikkel. takes Mikkel. I listened to it in the German and the English dub. Um, I know, but I'm going to do it both ways every time. It felt more ominous to me and it had more intriguing aspects to it than episode one did obviously with the time travel but
0: absolutely well and i would say too it's clear like episode one had to do a lot of exposition work whereas episode two it was just like boom let's go like you Mm -hmm. know all these people let's get Mm -hmm. started yeah well before we we go too much farther perhaps we should let you know what voices you're hearing (laughs) and to whom they belong uh That was correct grammar, by the way. You're welcome. I'm an English teacher. (laughs) You're listening to Tommy right now. This is me.
2: And this is Josh.
1: And I'm Jen, the lone female voice. Hopefully
0: obvious. (laughs) You you balance us out. (laughs) It it was a point of shame in my youth. I would often be called a woman by telemarketers. (laughs) Maybe I've gone through puberty by now.
2: Could I speak to your father, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am?
0: Um... So as a reminder, uh, Josh and I have watched the show before, but we are keeping it hashtag spoiler free for Jen, who is journeying with us into the dark for the very first time. And I just want to say, if you are watching this episode, or if you're listening to this and you have not watched episode two yet, oh, there are spoilers for episode two. That's there will be spoilers, but not for the show. So go watch the episode and then come listen if you haven't watched it yet. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start with Lit Takes. Lit Takes is where we'll talk about some notable things that happen in each episode. It might be chronological, mostly, (laughs) but not really. The show develops things so much over the course of lots of cuts. It's pretty much a free-for-all of Things We Noticed, which is kind of like interesting discussion slash analysis all together. And the episode opens with information about the new dead boy, which is a sentence that I just said. (laughs)
2: I remember when I first watched this, I was so frustrated that this boy was neither Eric nor Mikael. It was just like, no. no.
0: Frustration was your main feeling regarding this?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, because I was wanting answers. And the fact that in the last episode we saw Eric being closed in, I was just assuming, okay, this has to be, we have to. It was just adding another body (laughs) Mm -hmm. when I wanted at least some closure. But now watching it again, it's just very exciting. Just be like, okay, I don't remember, of course, who this is, but got that. And again, we will keep mentioning it, but we got the Stranger Things 80s feel to it.
0: When speaking of there will be spoilers for this episode, this child is clearly from the 80s. like. Like, literally, this child comes from the 80s, right? Like, am I out of line in saying that?
1: And having said that, and having not watched past episode two, is it in no way Mads?
0: That is oh. a good theory.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, So the things that make it clearly 80s, the penny he calls a fennig, which was the official currency of Germany until 2002 when they adopted the euro and uh he's wearing the 80s clothes he's got the walkman and the tape with the mm-hmm. 80s pop hit uh the lyrics of which are we walk into the time stream and step into a dream yeah very on theme mhm mhm and we get some information about who like i don't know it's very it's very procedural right in the very beginning it's like here's some red dirt and we don't know what that is and here's some other information about the body and also the ears his his Otaconia are all messed up.
2: <laughs> did you guys find that it was she was strangely excited about this dead boy? <laughs> the the person oh, who did the yes. autopsy.
0: I do agree with that. Isn't that always that's such like a typical like autopsy performer, excited <laughs> by death and mystery as opposed to like hurt by it?
2: We get no dead people here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there were terribly interesting things about him though, so I will accept her excitement that it was maybe True. unique in that regard.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So on the topic of ears, I found it an interesting transition from the corners. correct word? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, description that we immediately transition to Jonas's nightmare of sorts. I think that's what happened. And he has the bleeding slash what the heck is coming from his ear <laughs>
0: okay definitely not blood like last time Oil? Josh <laughs> was very certain it was blood it is so black and thick like thank you if it's blood then it's like deeply congealed but it was <laughs> running so well are you still dying on that hill josh
2: absolutely this may get a little bit personal but the other day i was um <laughs> walking around my house and my wife looked at my leg and said what is that and i Ew. had this black stream coming down my leg, and it was blood. Um,
1: So you just have black blood.
2: (laughs) Maybe it's my strong German blood that is so dark. (laughs) Mm.
1: My blood is definitely not black, but (laughs) that's probably more information than anyone needs to know. So (laughs) I think it's interesting, though, that episode one and episode two both catalog kind of a nightmare that Jonas has that depicts his father,
0: yes.
2: Mm -hmm. He's still seeing him.
0: Well, and let's let's keep going on that route of talking about Jonas then Uh, and just kind of unpacking how he's dealing with that loss. I think this episode is a lot about how we deal with loss, much more Mm -hmm. than the first episode was. Um, You get all these different images of different ways, you know, Magnus is punching the wall Mm -hmm. because mikkel is gone after he, like, has a really scary confrontation with Francisca in the in the woods, you've got Ulrich kind of throwing himself into his, his work. And Jonas enters what seems like for the first time his father's art studio. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that?
2: I don't know about first time, but he was definitely it was the first time after the suicide, for sure.
0: Oh, yes. oh that's, that, Yeah, that's what I yeah. meant.
2: Oh, OK. I thought you meant like the first time he got to see his art.
0: No. Well, and do you have thoughts about his art? Tell me, Tell me what you think about his art.
2: <laughs> um, creepy comes to mind
0: Dark, yes <laughs> So when it, when we See Jonas going up into that weird secret Compartment to get what is eventually Oh my god, a map Partially handwritten of the Winden Caves mm-hmm. uh, With crazy writing all over it I mean, the lost bells are going off in my brain Like crazy We see that one piece of art that almost looks like a Klein bottle Have you guys seen Klein bottles? No yeah. So Klein bottles are just this weird shape of bottle that have a continuous surface that run through them. So Mm -hmm. basically the inside wraps around the back and then becomes the outside and then becomes the inside again. It's kind of like um, a Mobius strip that only has one side. It's kind of that, but in a 3D shape. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
0: you have this recurring, like this thing that twists back in on itself over and over and over again. That's what that art looked like to me.
2: I noticed a lot of just art that was almost crossed out. That's what it looked like. Uh, Some of the paintings, it just looked like I painted something and then I crossed it out.
1: Scribbles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I may be reading into this too much. It felt like there were somewhat of parallels between what was in that studio and what's posted in the hotel room with the guy, I don't know who that is.
0: Hmm. Speak on that.
1: Well, I was seeing... I wrote down in my notes initially, because I'm a studious note-taker while I watch Dark, that everything that I saw on paper, with the exception of the map that Jonas pulls from the ceiling, looks astronomical in nature.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, now that you mention it, I can think of the some of the stuff on... The Stranger's wall that looked like um, the solar system images of that, for is sure. Is that what
1: we call him? The Stranger?
0: That's I, a good name for him. I okay. think that might be what he is credited as in the credits. Okay. Getting back to, to Jonas, and maybe just sticking with a character will be a, a good way to talk about this. Moving into that map of the caves, he sees this big thing. I have never wanted to speak German more in my life than when I was looking at all of this German writing on this crazy person map and wishing I could read all of it. But they translate, where is the crossing for us? Mm -hmm. Wild. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just wild. I just feel like I have to say it. And then I think the most kind of telling part of Jonas's story is his conversation with his mom about his dad. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That stuck with me. And her, like, weirdly open answer of, like, did you love... Well, she doesn't answer, did you love him. Right. But he asks, did you miss him? And she says, I missed a notion notion. of him.
2: You can already tell that their relationship wasn't strong. So Mm -hmm. it almost gives credence to the idea that maybe she and Ulrich were already together.
1: Yeah.
2: But... She seems so removed from him already. And I love I love that. What, what what, does he ask her? Like, did you love him? And then the lights come on. She's like, I guess I don't have to answer.
0: <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about Ulrich or do you want to talk about all of the people that live in Winden that are apparently the shiftiest, least trustworthy <laughs> group of people that I have ever Come into contact with. Are we talking about Ulrich? Are we talking about all of the shifty let's cast talk about of these shifty people. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Peter then sobbing, weeping uncontrollably while listening to radio coverage in the car about the missing children.
2: He's just extremely emotional. That's I know. Don't, I don't look into this. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to describe that as shifty. I feel like Peter stands out. No, don't make that face. Peter because Stan- this is
0: a visual medium, <laughs> let me tell you, I am my mouth is a gate.
1: <laughs> Peter, to me, I feel like not knowing anything other than his deeply emotional, visceral, like I feel it with him reactions. There is something going on there that I need an answer to, and I don't see him as shifty, and I see him as someone, especially from episode one, wants to share. Whatever it is he knows, but also feels maybe, since he's a therapist, correct? Something like that. Loyal to maybe what client information he's privy to. I don't know. But Mm. I don't see him as shifty.
0: So you're in... I didn't even consider that. So your interpretation is that he feels that way because he is torn between his professionalism about possibly hearing from one of his clients the truth about where some of these boys are.
1: That's the only way I can perceive it at this point.
0: Wow, you're much kinder than me. I immediately was like, (laughs) he knows something, he did something. There's something that he's personally involved in.
1: Mm, I don't see guilt in it, but maybe I'm reading it wrong.
0: (laughs) It just underscores how different we are as people. (laughs) We already knew
1: this, but okay.
0: (laughs)
2: That is true. We also... Need to talk about Ulrich's dad, who was absent in the first episode, Mm -hmm. but then, and there's the, where's, where's dad? Where's dad? And now he's here and we see that he's absent all the time, has some blood on his clothes, leaves late at night, and his wife does not trust him.
1: But covers for him.
2: She does? The mom does? Doesn't she? I don't remember her covering for him.
1: I thought she said... I thought she said something to Ulrich about him being with her or something like that. That may be true. Regardless, yeah. He um it was the line in the forest, if you will, the woods, whatever we call that, when they're searching, and he I forget what was directly asked, but he was basically like, Maybe we won't find them, like he knew something and that...
0: that's interesting that you read into that moment, but you don't read into him <laughs> aggressively. Power crying. Listening to this coverage, I don't. Are two, <laughs> two different you
1: characters? Two different characters. Don't
0: trust the dad. Yeah. Well, and he. I mean, the wife confronts him, and God, that moment with the sound as she opens her eyes, as she notices that he's left at the end of the episode. Crazy. So those are first. I'm. Gi- I'm making Peter as a suspect. I am the new <laughs> police chief of Wyndham, and he is a suspect. As is Ulrich's dad. mm
1: Hmm.
2: As is Alexander and Eric's dad. I still don't know what was going on there.
0: Eric's dad is very confusing. Uh. If Breaking Bad has taught me anything, (laughs) it's that bodies can be transported in barrels. And they were putting (laughs) barrels into a truck in the middle of the night. And Alexander was watching like a friggin comic book villain at it being done.
2: Yes, it's all going according to plan.
0: And the threats, the threats that he makes against Jürgen, I actually I don't I don't have an issue with Jürgen. Jürgen just feels like a sad pawn. That's true. More than like a shifty person. That moment at the end, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we talk about Oryk uh, going all out to try to find Mikkel. But at the end, when the, uh orric finds the drugs and he's just like, "Where's my boy?" And Oryx just like, I don't know, and walks away. (laughs) Like, that was this, I wanted Oryx to hug him. Like, I feel bad for Juergen. Alexander's threats against him, that line that he says, do you know the difference between a successful person and an unsuccessful person?
1: Exactly.
0: Go load this.
1: (laughs) But also, I feel like in episode one, the only talk of drugs was weed, correct?
0: No, they just kind of said... His stash.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems to be plentiful, but...
0: (laughs) And it very unlabeled. Feels dangerous. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I love that it was, oh, this is what me and my son did to Bob. Yeah,
0: that was so weird. And he just drops it. He just says it. Like, he's not even... He's telling a very high-up cop about the drugs he sold at school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I can't put Jurgen in that same boat as I put Peter and Ulrich, and Alexander. While we're talking about the drugs, did you guys have any thoughts about that phone?
1: I was only annoyed that he barely did anything with it. Bartosz. What's his name? Bartosz? Bartosz. Bartosz.
0: Bartosz is a shortening of Bartholomew. Thank you. (laughs) Oh. Excellent. We learn that that Bartosz, actually, in this episode, we learn that he is Alexander's son. Also, Regina Tiedemann is married to alexander and they live in some swanky digs yeah those were nice
2: it seems strange that she's so worried about the hotel when they seem i don't know pretty well to do
0: yeah because he's well he runs the power plant right mm-hmm. so that's got to be the main source of income but maybe it's more of a personal thing for her like this is my hotel that's true all right, I, I don't think we can go any longer without talking about kind of the bulk of this episode, which centers around Auric. The thing that stuck out to me is in the beginning of episode one, when Charlotte Charlotte says that she's got tire tracks of 30 unidentified vehicles. And he's like, then we have nothing. And that's right before he says, my life is the opposite of what I wanted it to be. Mm. Uh, but now you see him like obsessively looking at these tire tracks and trying to make connections. And... Kind of just the difference when it's his son, what he's willing to do, the lengths to which he is willing to go in order to solve this mystery that he wasn't willing to go to before.
1: When it comes to observations of Ulrich, yes, to all of what you said, but I'm also, I guess, intrigued with, and maybe this is, I realized when I watch anything television-wise, and I think this is true when we read novels, and we've talked about this before, I am most interested in the characters and their dynamic and their relationships with one another. So I was interested to see now that his son is missing and he's grieving how he would kind of redeem himself, I guess, amid an affair. And so it was interesting to me when Hannah. Mm -hmm. Correct. Thank you. um, Comes to the police station and I I don't know, like, I was very attentive to his reaction to her, like, obviously she's concerned for him, that's valid, but, you know, what, where does his priority lie in this, especially given his history? I think Ulrich is the character I'm most fascinated with and want to see, in in some way, I guess if I have to pick, like, I'm rooting for him, like, I want to see him, like, do something meaningful to find... His son, obviously, but to kind of figure out what the heck is going on in these caves,
2: and just his redemption arc. Yeah, like I, yeah. I feel like that's when we see someone in that low state, we want them to come out of it. Right. Also, by the way, I was really bothered by Hannah coming to check on him. I was like, no, don't insert yourself in this. This <laughs> is, I, I, it bothered me that she was trying to. I feel like get in and comfort him when she's not in the family. (laughs) It just felt inappropriate to me.
1: I wonder too, like comparing their grief. Like, I feel like that's a situation where you would kind of be like, I know what you're going through and yet it's quite different. That was the only justification I could kind of lean on. But yes, I totally agree with what you're saying. It didn't do much for her character development.
2: Yeah, we don't get much of that. And also, kind of tied onto that, when his wife talks to him, mm. when she said, you're going to tell me the truth, yeah. no matter what, I was expecting it to happen. I was expecting to, are you are you with someone else? Or mm-hmm. What's going on? Because she has had suspicions, obviously.
1: But then the lights start flickering.
2: <laughs> the lights seem to just dispel any conversation that we're yeah. having. So I don't have to answer that question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I agree with everything that you guys are saying about Hannah. And, like, how that's kind of a crappy thing to do. She's inserting herself. But in terms of, like, her character development, it really points to her desperation more than anything else. And from the very beginning, the first scene, it's clear that she invests more in this relationship than he does. And her, you know, saying I love you for the first time... And him replying, you're so beautiful. And now I mean, did her kisses, was she like about to try to have sex with him in the file room in the police station? I think so. That's just so sad Mm -hmm. to me. Like (laughs) it doesn't make me not like her as much as like, oh, is this your move? This is like your (laughs) only move to connect with somebody. That's that makes me sad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely painted her in a mode of desperation that it wasn't just checking on him to see if he was okay, but ulterior motives.
2: Yeah, it very much felt like I need attention. Mm -hmm. And you are needy right now. Yeah, So let's both Mm -hmm. fulfill our needs.
0: What a sad misread of that situation <laughs> for her. I just can't get over that. I just it doesn't even make me not like her. It makes me just feel so bad.
1: Mhm.
2: She's or. pretty pathetic.
0: Oof. It's kind of a mean thing to say about yeah. someone who's <laughs> <husband's laughs> committed suicide. I'm going to I'm going to But she didn't
2: care. <laughs> you could tell earlier that she was like,
0: uh. I feel
1: like that's debatable at this point unless oh, something geez, else happened.
0: she didn't care. <laughs>
1: she's um healing her wounds through
0: yeah that's true
2: that's <laughs> true she could be just trying to find solace in that way i don't know hmm.
0: all
2: right we need to talk about the stranger the stranger comes to the hotel and the, the this time around i listened with these headphones that i'm wearing these really big headphones <laughs> and It was a completely different experience. Hmm. And the music that is, I would guess, the stranger's theme, this hooded wanderer, is so discordant that it almost made me throw my headphones off because he is just creepy. They're just giving that mood off for him. He has lots of scars. He has newspapers and the traditional yarn on the walls and everything tied together. And also, he has this strange machine in a the, box.
0: The, like weathered. That he has like a key on a necklace for. What is it? <laughs> uh, it, it? Well, and what are the scars? Like, I last time I brought up scars as like one of my main questions is like, where do these scars come from? Yeah. And why is like he looks like he was whipped, like on his mm-hmm. back, Put- like whipped.
1: Oddly so, though, I think.
0: What do you mean by oddly?
1: I feel like the way, the shape of the scar, the color of the scar felt unique to me. Hmm. If I'm looking at traditionally, traditional whippings. <laughs> That I've seen only in television and movies. I can only think of Jesus.
0: <laughs> that was as good a time as any to let the listeners know. Jen is a professional. Uh, she studied whipping in college. <laughs> she has a minor in whipology. Yeah,
2: Flagellation 101 was her favorite Set class.
0: Jerks. Stop. <laughs> okay.
1: Here's my thing. I've only recalled two scenes in film, television, Jesus and the Passion of the Christ, and Outlander. In which I've seen scars from whipping, and that does not look like what I've seen. That's my education right there for you. I just think (laughs) it's weird. It looks questionable.
0: You're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) Um, I think it's also English teacher thing significant that he's in room eight. You turn an eight on its side, and it is infinity. Mm. That's the thing I noticed. I did not notice that. And then call back to... Mikkel's magic trick Mikkel, is magic mm. trick when he says the question isn't how it's when he crosses out where is Mikkel and writes yeah. Von est Mikkel which by the way another a primary way that the show is great is it introduces that question and then immediately answers it like we cut mm-hmm. right to Mikkel crawling out of the cave yeah which I just think is glorious like what a fantastic like there are there will not only be mysteries moment
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And my biggest question with that was, well, like beyond the time travel, obvious. How did he get there? Meaning, how did he disappear from Jonas's side? I—that's the biggest question. I just need to know the time between that and that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Cause he m- must have run back into the cave. I guess. But they were afraid of the cave. hmm So why would he run into the cave? That's a really, that is a really good point.
2: If he did run at all. Because at that time, Jonas kind of has a freak out, seeing his father all all bloodied, obviously, because it's definitely blood at dark night. Um, <laughs> and maybe maybe someone did take it. Maybe this that was when the stranger grabbed him, or...
0: What? Well, when we see another figure dragging, yeah. a hooded figure dragging, yeah, Eric, Eric, gotta be Eric, right? That's I think so. A ginger, That's Eric. Hair yes, is so aggressively ginger. <laughs> but is that the same hooded figure? That's okay. So
2: mm-hmm. okay, that was my question. Well, well, I was agreeing because I, throughout this episode, I was like, "There's got to be two guys in hoods or something," yes. because we see the stranger in the house. When we also see other hooded figures moving, but again, you think the they're show concurrent. Yeah. I don't know if they're concurrent. That's, mm. it's very hard to know.
1: I just want to clarify. There is a one point, a hooded figure that emerges from the cave. Correct?
2: Yes. yes. Is
1: that the stranger? Don't know. Okay. That's, yeah, I don't know either. okay. I just needed
0: clarification. They look very similar. Okay. They're two guys in hoods, though. I mean, that's all that similarity there is. Well, well, <laughs> you brought up hoods. I hoods am. are important. There's yeah. a lot of hood action happening. This is heavy with hood action.
2: Okay. <laughs> and not only do the hoods hide the face, but these hoods are very big, and they hide the figure as well. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's a old man or if it's a young man with scars and washboard abs
0: and just so, so dirty his face so dirty is the dirtiest a face he's been
2: he comes out of the shower face still dirty <laughs> i only wash my abs
0: <laughs> okay so speaking of eric who's definitely dead now the tv i just wanted to read out what it says so it's some sort of a show like a science show there's a wormhole figure and not albert einstein says (laughs) so at least hypothetically because of these gravitational anomalies it is possible to bend time and space will we ever be able to travel through a black hole to see what lies beyond and what price would we pay how far would scientists go and then you get the clapping shut of the machine over eric's eyes which is like this is how far Hmm. Right. So they're doing something with time.
2: Yeah. It, it's asking the question and answering it right then.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is this black holes? Is that what this is? Are we going to get the classic black hole description of somebody folding a piece of paper in half and stabbing a pencil through it? <laughs> time bending. Hashtag Stranger Things connection. Right.
2: Hmm. It's
0: loaded with that.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I. It's funny because I've seen the show. And I do not remember the answer to that question.
0: My wormhole question? Yeah. That's the most important question we've asked so far. I think the most <laughs> central to the plot as well. <laughs> and, and character development. Don't remember. <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, those are the most significant things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to talk about the thousand dead birds that appear <laughs> in our question section, I'm sure. All right. So let's move on to... Lit 101. Lit 101 is where we get really pretentious. The ivory <laughs> towers come out, the fancy comfy chairs with the red velvet uh, the the leather, the cigars, and we are going to talk about themes Images, motifs, symbols, allusions, connections to other tasks, texts, and other things that you might have to remember from your third period English class. This time, each of us is going to bring up uh, one or so major points that we think bears some deeper analysis. Josh, you seemed really excited when we started this, so start us off.
2: I'm very excited. I didn't want anyone else to take what I <laughs> took. And my topic is... Ingendui, ingenduo, ingenduan, and we already mentioned it. This is the song that was in, that was being played um, Uh, on the tape recorder. Okay. I was so very curious about this song. It's the same song that is in that video where you see the rollerbladers going backwards, (laughs) back and forth, again and again. But I we got a little bit of the 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 song the, the the lyrics from the song but i wanted to dig a little bit deeper and this is a band that you probably have heard of before well maybe not the name but nina is a german band from the 80s they have a very the, the song that is in here the ingendwei ingendwo ingendwan is their second most popular song their most popular song is 99 red balloons uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's a very famous song, and this is kind of the second best.
0: (laughs) Uh, That song's about nuclear war, also. Mm, Oh,
2: interesting.
1: That is interesting.
2: I didn't do research on that song. (laughs) Why not? (laughs)
0: This is a lit 101, Josh.
2: (laughs) That's, That's true. I need to expand my horizons. But the song translated, the title could be either Somehow, Somewhere, Sometime, or Anyhow, Anywhere, Anytime. And I want to read the lyrics and all of the lyrics, even though th- I'm there's so not... so excited
0: about this right now. <laughs> I'm so excited that you did this. Please yeah. continue.
2: I also watched the entire music video because yes. they only show a little bit. It gets really weird. It's a lot of the same thing again and again and again. But then at the very end, they cover the whole like stage in what's supposed to be snow, but is probably shaving cream. because they're kicking it around. It's very floaty and puffy. So here are the lyrics of the song in English. We fall through space and time. The direction is sublime. Moths fly into the light, the same as you and I. Somehow the future starts somewhere deep within our hearts. We will never, ever part. Love draws bravery from might, so don't think about it twice. Our future rides on fiery wheels directly through the night. That is the verse. And then the later verse, we have this other line where it says, we fall through the time stream, then awaken from a dream. But a brief blink of an eye then returns to the night. Somehow the future starts somewhere deep within our hearts. The chorus is less significant. It says, give me your hand, I'll build a castle out of sand, anyhow, anywhere, anytime. The time is ripe for some tenderness tonight, anyhow, anywhere, anytime. And this is obviously a love song that is talking about, like, anytime, anywhere, anyhow, we will have this love. And I think that it, for, and this is similar to my Raider Bar discussion, (laughs) where this is probably a lot more significant to the German viewers, Mm where they will know this song. This was a very popular song. And they will know that this song mainly was about love, but it has so much to do about time. Uh, And I think that that is so interrelated to the show, because even though the main kind of plot device that is going through this story does deal with time. I mean, at the end of the episode, we have Mikael going into the past. But again, it all comes back to love. It all comes back to these relationships. It's Ulrich and his son. It is Ulrich and Hannah or Katarina. It's Jonah and maybe Marta, maybe, maybe Marta and Bartosh. It's it's all about relationships,
0: but these... You are all over the place <laughs> with these names, buddy. What? You're all over the place with these names.
1: You're making me interested and excited. Keep going.
2: <laughs> and, and I didn't really want to kind of like have a thesis to this uh, claim or anything. But just like last week, bringing up the whole theme of time and fate, I think that fate and relationships is an interesting concept as well that as we go, I think we can, we'll continue to talk about, but yeah. that's my lit one one
1: I love every song I've heard on the show.
2: Yeah. It, it, we, we did have one and it's strange to me that I feel like, and this may be wrong, but, A lot of the times in this show when we have this musical montage, I feel like the songs are in English. Yeah. That may not be correct, but I think the opening theme song is in English. This song was in English. I don't remember all of the songs, obviously, but I feel like there's a lot of English songs as well.
1: The rain song was English when they were, oh man, mother of Magnus (laughs) standing in the rain.
0: Yeah. That was Katarina. a
1: poignant scene to me. Katerina, thank you. I don't feel like I'm as well-versed in like the literary elements as you guys are. And that's, again, not to say anything about how I take on this segment, but rather that it's just different for me. Initially, I wanted to talk about that rain scene because it of the way it made me feel. And that's kind of how I approach television movies and literature and music is what feeling it evokes and that scene was so poignant and just like especially I think I don't know if it transitioned from or to Magnus hitting the wall
2: I think that was a part of it yeah
1: yeah and everyone is I mean Magnus and Katarina are soaked Ulrich is driving his car and pouring rain he's getting a call from Hannah like that all just felt momentous I guess well
2: I think that we and we mentioned this earlier, we get different reactions to grief. Right. We get rage. We get denial. And I think that's more kind of what Ulrich's doing. Mm-hmm. But then we get people just kind of shutting down, which I think is more Martha, where she yeah. is just, no, I'm not answering this phone call. Yes. I'm just ignoring everything. And uh, maybe a little bit of Catherine as well but we get the range of reactions. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, shown very well in that scene.
1: Yeah. And I think just in a simplistic way, like that's what I'm reacting to when I'm thinking of it through the lens of like, what would I tell my students to notice? But if I didn't have like a ton to say about that, so I was kind of circling back to, I suppose English teacher-wise, what stood out to me was the art of rhetorical questions like that there are several in this episode that stand out to me as oh I meant to think about that I meant to consider that we already touched on this one when it said do you know the difference between successful and unsuccessful people Mm. but then there's a time when we're listening to the radio I think gosh I cannot remember who's listening and what specific scene that was but it was Just talking about... There were several questions that were asked, like, what price would we pay? How far would scientists go? And
0: That was the Bunker television show.
1: Okay. That, to me, just kind of connected to how I'm feeling about the progression of things, not knowing so much right now, like, where is this all going? What am I, as the viewer, intended to think about this? Especially when we come back to mickle at the end and it's 1986 and the front page of the newspaper is chernobyl and i'm just loaded with things to think about but i have no idea where to go with any of it it's just a matter of like oh i have so much to ponder before i watch episode three and whenever we're done recording this
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good feeling that the show fosters, I think, is like, I have so many pieces of information, but they don't fit together in a way that like a traditional mystery show, I feel like sometimes never evokes that feeling in me Mm -hmm. of how do these pieces fit together? Way more in this, am I just like, "I, I don't even, these don't even connect. Like, these are just data points, but I can't even see any possible way that they could be connected to each other. So... With my Lit 101 item, I can't stop just connecting it to other things that I've seen and known. And one of the texts that I teach in AP Lit is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which is a play by Tom Stoppard following Rosencrantz and Guildenstern through their actual story, which is Hamlet. They are two side characters in Hamlet. And... One of the major points in that is how communication is impossible and actually knowing others is impossible because of the quirks of the way that language works. Unintentional rhyme. And because (laughs) of how all of us kind of hide things from each other, whether or not we mean to. I have a question for you. Why is this episode called Lies? Mm. I was wondering that as well. Because Secrets seems more applicable still that was the episode one name yeah. because the only direct lie that we get is from Ulrich's dad I think right obviously you have the implicit lies of Ulrich not talking about his relationship with Hannah but can you think of any other direct lies that we have to deal with in episode two at least that we know of so far
2: I never felt like there was lies I felt like it was all unanswered questions like avoidance And like it's almost lies through not answering the question. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just hiding truth versus. Well, and that hiding truth, that avoidance, I think we talked about it a little bit, but the missed calls, uh, Martha Mm -hmm. ignores the call from Bartosh, Oric we see ignores a call from Hannah and he has 16 missed calls differently. And so that idea of not allowing others to communicate with us flawed as that communication can be also restricts our ability to know each other. So it just kind of made me think of those. Tom Stoppard is an existentialist, arguably writer who's uh, writing about the, yeah, like the, the impossibility of language to communicate who we are to other people. And the other thing that it kind of made me think of, which is only sideways related only because it's existentialism was the Jean-Paul Sartre quote, hell is other people from no exit which is a play about a guy who goes to hell. And he finds out that essentially hell is just a kind of mediocre hotel room with two other people that he can't stand. And, <laughs> that is um, hell. <laughs> and uh, the fact that he can't get away, the fact that he can never be alone, that that line is often used to mean like oh, other people are the worst, huh? But really it just means the concept of other people, the the existence of the other Traps me and forces me to be disingenuous even with myself because all I can be is what that other person perceives me to be on some level. And I don't know, this whole episode just makes me think about how everybody is looking at each other, how people are perceiving each other, and how much that forces them into a different persona. And I think Hannah and Jonas, they get the closest in this episode of real communication. Mm. And it's only when the lights go out in there by candlelight, is there actually truth in the moment that we get I probably shouldn't have snapped the <laughs> moment that we get like actual light electricity Aww. that's that feels less real somehow. Yeah. I, I feel so pretentious to say that fire feels like more of a visceral, real way to get light as opposed to electricity, which feels fake
2: hmm.
0: Then everything else that was fake come back comes back to.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, so those those are the things that, that I wanted to talk about. Any other Lit 101 items? Are we going to take our listeners to school? <laughs>
1: I mean, I just want to touch on the birds. Is there a greater symbolism there? I feel like... yeah.
0: Unpack it for me. What do, what do you mean? Shh.
1: Oh, God. I just think beginning of the episode, One Dead Bird, which the stranger picks up, correct? And then there's hundreds at the end which charlotte sees correct yes i i have nothing more to say like i can think of all the symbolism of birds i only really can think of owls actually but
2: <laughs> when i first saw that i immediately thought of tommy because of his tommy's quickie last <laughs> week where he was talking about nature versus technology mm. um
0: Tommy's quickies pays dividends, okay?
2: And we have the lights flickering, technology, and we have the birds dying in the same moment. Jen looks like she's about to spit <laughs> on her computer.
0: <laughs> well, and all that connects to the nuclear power plant is like, yes. and Alexander is like the villain. Yeah. Yes. How scary is that door in the cave? We didn't talk about oh, that. Oh, yes. Just looks so scary. <laughs> yes.
2: It's a good thing that they put that nuclear Yellow. power <laughs> signal <laughs> <Yep>. on there. <laughs> like ah, now I know where to go. <laughs> there's
0: danger here yes but also like it's crazy of Ulrich to actually think that Mickle somehow got in. He's yeah. a little boy <laughs> whatever. Did he not? Um, well, I don't know I I don't know but how could he have right like how could he have? What
1: lives in those caves? I don't know. I have no idea or answer. <laughs>
0: I don't know, but the cave is a throat. The more I look at it, the more it reminds me of like an endoscopy of like a camera going down somebody's throat. Gross lovely. (laughs) But accurate. (laughs) That's what I'm known for. All right, well then let's. We're we're already on this train a little bit, but uh, the last bit before we leave you is still in the dark. This is where we close out with some major questions that are still agonizingly out of our reach by the end of the episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Birds, obviously. Yes. <laughs> let's continue That's the big with that. One. And the one I mentioned before: How did Mikel not only get to the past time travel, but how did he, if he was coming to the cave? How did he? Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of missing time there.
0: Missing time.
2: <laughs> uh
0: huh. Uh, what is the phone in the drugs? Like, what mm, information right? could be in there? I have a hard time believing that it's just uh, a red herring. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, I'm going to go back to my boy Peter and say what the heck is going on with his emotional reactions.
0: And exactly how did he murder the children? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs>
1: not happening. But also, I'm an adventurer because I wrote this note down, and I'm just, I have not seen past episode two, and I'm speculating. But now knowing that Michael goes to the past, 1986, is he the stranger in the hotel?
0: Well oh.
2: That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to react to that.
1: I don't want you to. I'm just going to pose it as someone who has not viewed past episode three, and I'm just wondering. Tommy has a very interesting look on his
0: face. No, I just think that's a really interesting theory. I think the the last big question is, what's good with that machine? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on with that uh, briefcase machine?
2: Speaking of the briefcase machine, because it's related to the face covering machine in the children's closet. Oh,
0: why is it related?
2: It's just another machine. <laughs> they're, they're both machines. They they both feel very like.
0: Steampunky, yeah, steampunky,
2: <laughs> um, an unknown, but I-, I wanted to go back I-, I loved what the uh coroner was saying, how, okay, the eardrums are burst, that mm. could be either through sound, very loud sound through pressure yeah. or centrifuge, yeah, and I think that the obvious my obvious thought was like, oh, loud sound because of the loud music, but i, well, I the
0: caves f- also roar very loud, yeah, that's,
2: that's, that's true what I was thinking. that's true, but I feel like that. It just brings more questions to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What's this, uh, eye burning machine. Mm. Maybe that's all it is. It's just to burn eyes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for making it this far. We love the show. We love talking about it. We hope you love listening to us. Love to talk about it. And we'll see you next time for episode three, past and present. Will we learn what happened to voler's eye? That's his name. That the one-eyed policeman. Uh-huh. Uh, What are common weather patterns during fall in Germany? And why does it rain so hard all the time? If you're from Germany, write a postcard. (laughs) Why are German washing machines so small? Find out next time. And remember, keep it lit. If you liked this podcast, please give us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We may be reading out some reviews in the future. If you'd like, you can email us at litafterdarkpod at gmail.com with questions or comments. That's L-I-T-A-F-T-E-R-D-A-R-K pod at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at litafterdarkpod. Thank you to Luke Van for our theme song. You can follow his work on YouTube. That is Luke Van with two N's.